Hello, hello. Happy Sunday for me today and happy um, mid-December. My goodness, we're closing out this year so soon. Can't believe how fast it's gone, but I think we always say that, right? I am about to lean into some time with other women and sisterhood here in Maui have many sisters coming into town to just be and connect, tap into our bodies, our sensuality, our hearts together as women. Um, And my dear soul family member, Joy, has already arrived as of the other day. We've sat in ceremony together. And uh, yeah, I thought maybe I won't be able to record another episode until next year. Uh, which I was a little bummed about, just knowing that everyone's about to arrive and that we have all these ceremonies planned and whatnot. But Michael decided to go out and get some work done. We're still on a Wi-Fi outage here. So he went out to the to the restaurant to get some work done, tap into Wi-Fi. And uh, Joy just went out to get some food. And I'm, I was like calculating how long I'll have the house to myself. And I'm like, Okay, I get to record an episode, so I was super excited, just made my cacao really quickly, Uh, and another hilarious story, it's not that funny, but for me, it's like a lifesaver, Michael actually caught one of the chickens and took it down the street, dropped it off down the road, (laughs) so the two chicken, or the two roosters aren't going to be going back and forth this episode, which I'm so excited about, I woke up this morning and I felt the peace of that. (laughs) So thank you, beloved, for doing that. I did a little poll on Instagram about what I should talk about next, like what part of my story, what part of my journey I should share next. And I put out this this poll. I listed out different ideas, um, all things that I'm going to share anyway, but just was curious, like what should I share next? So some of you wanted me to share our conception journey to date, uh, which would have been nice, like piggybacking on our last episode, my last episode, which was all about our love story. But that didn't feel right yet. And some people, I think the majority of you wanted me to share about my story with my body and body shame. um, And also as it pertains to my sexuality, And then also, I mean, there were just so many other pieces of input there. And maybe this thing that I am going to talk about today was like on the least, the last of the list. However, it is the most of my heart to share today when I was really tuning in because this year has been a closing of a huge chapter for my life. And so before we close out the year, I just felt it was really important to go into this next year having shared this full journey and really tying a bow on it all. Um, Some of you, as always, know bits and pieces of the story or maybe all of it. But I'm really excited to see what comes through on this one because it's been a journey that's so near and dear to my heart. This theme of the hero's journey has been very present in my life and present in Michael's life. We've been talking about it a lot. And I really feel like my biggest hero's journey to date has been with Delighted By. 
the business that I was stewarding for seven years. Over seven years. <clears throat> and it really feels like with Delighted by I had this huge moment where I got to shine. I just had my shining moment. I had that shining moment in my service, in my leadership, in my career that I'd always yearned for. When we talk to people in our community, one of the number one things that they all desire is to have this moment where they're on stage. Like in their visions, they have these visions of being on stage and sharing their hero's journey with others to inspire and to uplift and to empower others. And I feel like it's very symbolic because we all desire to have that moment. And maybe it doesn't mean it's on stage, but it it is important for us to have that moment in our lives. And I mean, it's going to be many of those moments, right? I know that this isn't my last hero's journey I'll go on. And I know it wasn't the first for sure, but it was the biggest one to date in terms of service and leadership and career and purpose. And because it was such a big phase for me and truly such a hero's journey and I'm coming out on the other side of it feeling really at peace and really in deep acceptance and reverence for that journey and everything I learned and took away. I'm just so excited to see others have their moment. Like I want to see other people around me get to have their shining moment. What does that look like for them? And so hopefully this story will inspire you inspire you on your hero's journey as it pertains to your purpose in the world. All right. When I was in my first ayahuasca ceremony, I have already shared with you all that I heard that message. Your purpose is to spread your glitter in the world. And then I stopped the story right there for the most part. But here's what happened within 24 hours of hearing that message driving home so in so much bliss, peace. I get back and I just have this craving to cook and make some food and just really integrate by using my hands and eat some delicious food and just have a really nice, quiet Sunday night. So I go to the store, I get these ingredients for this dessert hummus that I'd been making for like a year and a half. I originally had started making it a year and a half before that just for fun. I literally was going to a Super Bowl party. I had thought like I want to make an edible cookie dough and I wanted to um, come up with a way to do that that was semi-healthy and I thought why not use chickpeas. And there were other like details that went into that moment of me deciding to make that quote unquote dessert hummus. But at that point, I just made it for friends and family, like not even very much, just a couple times. And it was delicious. I had three flavors. It was so good. And I remember the people that did try it, they were like raving about it. And especially at that Super Bowl party that one time, people were like, oh my God, you should sell this stuff. And I just looked at them, they were like crazy. Like, I would never sell this. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was just on a totally different wavelength at the time. And so I'm in this kitchen now, a day after my very first ayahuasca ceremony, the day after, uh, and I'm just 
making my dessert hummus. And as I was stirring the chocolate chips into the dessert hummus, I literally heard another message. It was this voice or this knowing or this thought in the top right like area of the room or of my brain, either way. And it said, this is one way you're going to spread your glitter in the world. And I was like, whoa, really? (laughs) And I just got so much confirmation that it was time for me to bring this to the world. And this, that dessert hummus was going to be one way I spread my glitter in the world. And I was totally in the dark as to how that was going to be possible, but I just felt it. And I sat down and I told the person I was with in the moment, I just was like, I'm, I'm going to start this. I'm going to bring this to the farmer's market. And I called my boss at the time. I was selling Vitamix machines, like full hundred percent commission based contractor for Vitamix. And I just told him I'm done walking away and I'm going to start my own business. He thought I was crazy. And I had all the, I had six Vitamix machines that I had earned from my time with them. And I just nailed through my recipes. I went to the health department, I got my food permit, and I launched in my very first farmer's market in Phoenix, Arizona. And the thing was, is that I'd had business, a business before, but I knew that I was going to do this business very differently than I had done in the past. I wasn't going to write a business plan. I wasn't going to, in, as in, like, with my best ability, knock it too much in my head. And I was going to lead from my heart and from my intuition. And those were the words that I had started picking up on with all those books I had been reading. You know, now it was really, truly, completely coming out of my dark night of the soul with that ayahuasca ceremony being the culmination and that p- pinnacle moment where I was just totally on the other side of it in complete clarity that my purpose is to spread my glitter. There is absolutely something bigger than me working behind the scenes. And I want to devote my life to that something bigger than me. And rather than getting in my head and making plans from my head, especially as it pertains to my business, what I desire is for spirit slash God slash universe slash higher self, whatever it is to work through me. And I took that concept that I had learned from my roommate and that book Spirit Junkie by Gabrielle Bernstein, and I started applying it from day one of my business. And I would say, spirit guide me, spirit guide me, spirit guide me. I went to Hobby Lobby to get all my things for the farmer's market and I, to get like my little booth set up. And I said, spirit guide me to what you want me to get. Spirit guide me for the logo, spirit guide me for the brand and the labels and everything. I just would say, spirit guide me. And I would be in prayer, like even at the health department when I was like nervous, am I going to get it? I was in prayer and I had never lived like this. This was a totally new way of operating, especially when it came to business. Because I had this Pilates and wellness center in Sydney and I had like sold that successfully and that was a huge success in a way. But at the same time, I was really like working from my head, even though I was passionate and my heart was definitely there. I was definitely working from a place of like tension, stress, and from that headiness. And so now I was just committed. I'm going to do business the way I've never done it before. These were my thoughts. 
And I didn't see anyone talking about this. It just was like, this is what was there. I remember literally pulling up to my very first farmer's market all alone. I took a selfie. I remember exactly what that was. I have it on my Instagram. Well, the Instagram that eventually got deplatformed, but I posted it that day and I don't remember what I said, but it was something about like surrender. I'm surrendered to the higher plan here. And I was nervous, but I just said, spirit guide me. And I made this intention that that it wasn't going to be about selling dessert hummus. It was going to be about spreading my glitter and shining my light. And how I was going to do that was ask people, what are you delighted by today? And I was going to get them to say something they're delighted by and, and really have them get that, you know, life is too short. Let's stop doing all the things that we're not truly delighted by. Let's do the things that we are delighted by. Let's live a life that we are delighted by. And that's how delighted by as the name got born. And delighted by eventually, for me, became DB. I would always shorten it. And how I started relating to her eventually was her as a completely different energy than me that I could relate with, which I'll come back to in a minute. So I'm going into this farmer's this very first farmer's market with the intention of you know, selling dessert hummus, that's going to be a byproduct of me just showing up in my light and in my truth and in my heart today. And I'm just going to ask, what are you delighted by to everyone that comes to my booth? I started doing this really soon at all the farmer's markets. I was selling out within an hour. I couldn't keep up with making my dessert hummus on my own. I was hurting, like, quite literally damaging my rotator cuff because I was using the tamper tool of the Vitamix to push down the chickpeas into the blender. (laughs) And I would have my blenders, like they're not commercial blenders, they're for home use. So they would go out and they would burn out and I'd have to wait and wait for them to click re-kick on. And I would actually pray, spirit, can you turn my blender back on? (laughs) So I was really practicing this to be in prayer with every single thing that I do. (laughs) Just going to take a sip of cacao. One sec. Yeah, so farmer's markets were amazing. I got to meet some really cool people. I was learning a lot. And then it was starting to get like, wow, overwhelming. I really need some support. And in this story that I'm going to share with you, I'm going to share with you some of the highs and some of the lows, okay? I'm going to share with you Again, the hero's journey. There were hardships, right? And maybe I might get an hour in and be like, wow, I'm not even close to finish. I literally don't know here because there's so much I could share. (laughs) So we'll see. But at one point, I had made the intention of, I'm going to be the first dessert hummus brand in America to be on national shelves. That was my goal. That's where I was headed. That was my vision, it was, it was a knowing. This was a vision and I was going to go after it. And there was nothing stopping me. I ran up against challenges right away. The challenge of I couldn't make enough product and there wasn't the right equipment to make dessert hummus in these huge quantities while also maintaining um, the quality, the texture. And also because regular hummus has lemon in it 
right? So there's like this natural preservative in a way. There's a lot of hummus on the market with actual preservatives, but the natural organic hummus just uses lemon and the lemon drops the pH and that protects it from bacteria, E. coli, mold. Well, with dessert hummus, we can't use lemon. We can't use citric acid. We can't use these kinds of things. And I definitely wasn't going to use preservatives. So immediately I ran into a production challenge of like, how am I going to make this in large quantities when I only have five, six, seven days max of a shelf life? So that was tricky. I was starting to do tons of research. I was calling all these different manufacturers. I was calling commercial kitchens. I was trying to get, you know, these questions answered like in the middle of the night because it was during the day that I would make the product and take it to the farmer's market. Then I started to bring on some help. So I had some interns. I started hiring a couple girls like on an hourly basis to just help with the farmer's market. And one day I was at a little um, store in town in Phoenix and I was selling my dessert hummus there. And I realized I'm running out. I need more. And so this girl says to me that I thought I could trust at the time, she says like, well, I can just go home and like, if you want me to go back to your place right now, I can make some really quick. Like I'm really good in the kitchen. For some reason, I'm just naive. I'm caught up in the moment and I'm like, yeah, oh my God, that would be amazing. And I'm thinking that would be great anyway, because if she can make it, that would really help me because I'm getting super stretched here in terms of my hours. And I basically told her, where to find my recipes in my journal. And she went back to the house and came back with a bunch of product and it thought it was all good. And yeah, we sold more. And then I started getting her help in the kitchen to make the product with me. And at the time, because I was so naive, I didn't have her sign like a non-compete. I didn't have her sign an NDA or a confidentiality agreement and like nothing. Um, I don't know when it was, whether it was weeks later, a couple months later, when I was starting to scale the business more and actually didn't need her help. I actually found a website because I wanted to buy like desserthummus.com. At the time I had, at the time I had like um, delightedbyhummus.com, but I wanted to buy desserthummus.com and I went and I saw it was taken. I was like, this is weird. And I go look at the desserthummus.com website and it was just so similar to mine. The same look, similar fonts, like all the same recipe, like flavors. And I was devastated because I'm like, oh my God, like I wanted to be the first to market. Like who is doing this? How is this possible? And I went to whois.com where you can look up who owns a domain. And I nonetheless found out that this girl who had been working for me had actually stolen my recipes and started her own dessert hummus little brand in Phoenix, at least attempted to. It never turned to anything, but in the moment, I was so mad, confused, and that that just my first taste of someone screwing me over, it was real. And that's when, you know, it's one thing to say, spirit guide me, and to set these beautiful intentions. It's another thing to stick with that and embody that when things like that happen. That was one thing. At the same time, I had found this one manufacturer in Phoenix that I thought was going to be able to make my product. 
And I went in and these guys were like, you know, kind of touting themselves as they know the food industry. They're going to make me huge that this is, I kept having these random interactions with people that were in the food industry, but I wasn't in the food industry. So I was very much an outsider and they would say things to me like, this is literally going to be the next thing. Like, and I was getting so much confirmation from my, from people around me, but I just didn't know how I was going to do it. So I was just wanting all the support I could get. Well, these guys said, yeah, we can make your product at scale and we can help you grow this business. So I paid them. Uh, at the time, it felt like a hefty fee for me to pay them to start the R&D around my like product and to go into go into R&D, to scale the product itself, to do shelf life studies, all these things that I had no idea how to do. I, I was like, I'm going to hire these guys to help me with the very little cash that I had, which is one note I didn't even point out. I actually started this company on my credit cards. That's what's crazy. Like I had maybe saved up a tiny, tiny amount with the Vitamix thing, but for the most part, it was just like in the rat race, you know, just paying the bills. So I started this company on my credit cards knowing I am totally going to, this is, my credit cards are not going to matter. That's, well, that was my, I, I didn't even think about it. I'm, like, I'm just going to do this on my credit cards because this is going to be huge. And my credit card debt is going to be so minimal by the time I'm done with this company or by the time I achieve my goals here. And so now I'm remembering that I actually put this fee on a credit card. And was able to somehow do it because it was like, I don't know if it was like a PayPal thing or something. They had me pay through PayPal and I was able to do a credit to be able to even pay for this, these um, services with them. And then things started getting really weird. Like they weren't actually fulfilling on their promises. They weren't getting back to me. The day after I actually went in, revealed all my recipes and we went into the test kitchen. That's when they started going dark. They didn't actually provide me any of the services and I started calling them and, and calling them out on it to the best I could and just say, what's going on? And lo and behold, they were stealing my recipes to eventually take to market or at least attempt to, (laughs) which I actually, yeah, saw come to fruition in their own way, but they were never able to bring it fully through. That was years later. So it really went sour. So this is my early, early months in the in the business. And all these things are already starting to happen. And I was thankfully able to work with that credit card or credit company that I was working with and get my money back and prove that that was really fraudulent. And thank God I was able to get that money back because it was substantial for me at the time in the thousands of dollars. Uh, so... Then I had this other girl come up to me and say, like, I had known her from college and she had said, my dad is a broker in the food industry. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what a broker is. What is it? Like, what's a broker in the food industry, right? And she says, like, he can get your product into Trader Joe's. And I was like, what? That's huge. I'm thinking being in Trader Joe's would be like the biggest thing ever. And so I started thinking I was manifesting that I would put it on my vision board. I would issue like a PO, a purchase order from Trader Joe's to me with an amount on it. And I was just visualizing that, wanting to manifest that. 
Meanwhile, I'm still going to the medicine ceremonies once a month in Sedona. This is like earlier on in my journey. And I'm still doing my healing work. And just with this huge vision and Aya's trying to like guide me to trust myself, to be empowered and to put myself out there and to go for my dreams and go after it. So I was doing that. And I just was really learning what surrender is. I was really learning what trust is and what it feels like in my body. So I was getting all these tests and initiations into true surrender. Well, I actually drove all the way to California to take product to this guy that was my friend's dad. It wasn't my friend, but an acquaintance's dad. And he was telling me the same things like Mackenzie, this is going to be the biggest thing that's happened in the industry for a long time. He was telling me, um, we're going to like, get me all your samples, get me all this information. We're going to get this into Trader Joe's. And I didn't even know what that meant, you know, or what that would entail. And I dropped him off and I dropped off those samples and then literally stopped hearing from him. And to this day, I don't know why, but it was just such a disappointing moment because I had gotten my hopes up. Stopped hearing from him. And I was going to all these different manufacturers, trying to run tests on my product, more shelf life studies, and just failing. I kept hearing like from people that were either in the industry or knew something about it. They were like, you have to get a longer shelf life or else you can't get this into stores. But also I knew I need someone to make my product that at scale in order to get in the stores. So I would go to these different manufacturers or commercial kitchens. I'd test different equipment. It was just fail, 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 fail. Like, okay. So it was just requiring a lot from me, a lot of devotion, a lot of surrender and a lot of energetics. And meanwhile, I'm still in the farmer's market. I'm making the product by myself and I'm manning most of my farmer's markets, which I was at four a week at this point. Uh, and the other big thing I was experiencing was not only do I need someone to help me make my product, not only do I need a shelf life, I need cash. I needed money to scale my business and I had no idea how I was going to raise that money. I knew I needed to raise money, but I had no idea how. One time I was in Seed Spot or I was at Seed Spot selling my dessert hummus at one of their events. Seed Spot's an incubator in Phoenix that I used to be a part of or have graduated from. And I was just returning as an alumni just to sell my product at one of their events. And I was working with one of their mentors there. And the mentor saw how stressed I was and how over, like I was very stretched. I was doing every role in the business. And he gave me this book that was all about being the entrepreneur slash like the business owner versus like being the technician in your business. Like it was like a manager versus technician kind of tech, like terminology. And he was trying to get me to see like, you're going to have to raise capital soon so that you can get some more help because you're going to burn out and you're not going to be able to take this where you need to take it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had, I had randomly met this woman who was involved with a big grocery store chain in Phoenix or in Arizona. And 
I had worked with her on a past project, that smoothie and juice bar drive-through concept that I had mentioned before. I don't know, somehow through SeedSpot, through my pitch at Demo Day, I had got connected to this one grocery chain. And it, the grocery chain is Bashes, Bashes and AJ's. And I believe they have one other. But uh, this woman, I thought of her. I thought, I'm going to go introduce my product to her because maybe she can help me. Maybe she can give me some feedback. And this was another person that as I sat there across her desk, she was now quite literally the buyer, like the grocery buyer for natural products at Bashes and AJ's. And so she's, I don't even know what that means at that point. I did not understand the gravity of who she was in the company. I just show up with like a beach dress on or something like a, like a beach or a swimsuit cover up or something just like bright pink, like sundress. I don't even think I did my hair. I have flip flops on. I just show up with my product in a cooler bag and I give it to her and she tastes it and she looks at me and she's like, Mackenzie, this is going to be huge. She's like, I can help you. And the owner of this company can help you like, I'm going to talk to him as soon as possible so we can partner with you because we can take this to every food show. And then she started dropping all the big distributors, UNFI, Kehi, all the big trade shows. She's like, we need to get to Expo West this year. It was like crazy. She was just throwing out all these things that I didn't even know were even a big deal in the industry. But she said to me, but you are going to have to like put on, like, she's like, you need to like wear makeup, you need to look older, you need to wear jewelry, you need to dress up. Like she started telling me all these things, like you need to present yourself as older than you are so that people take you seriously. I hated that message. I was like, gross. Like, I don't even, that's not what I'm about. I'm going to be my authentic version of myself. You know, I was obviously very much on my spiritual journey, the medicine path. And I was just, I listened to her, but I was just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Uh, But looking back, I can see what she meant because a lot of, I end up getting taken advantage so often in this industry. And I don't know if it's because I was a woman, because I was young, they knew I was naive and I had a great product. So I was just really the perfect target to be taken advantage of in this industry. But long story short, she ended up talking to the owner of the company, the CEO, and, um, they sat down with me and they, and I'm, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be the moment where I get to raise money and I get to raise money from these people. And for some reason, after I gave them the product, which they loved and they were drilling me with questions, I stopped hearing from them. So I'm like, I had no idea why. Like I just, it was like this devastation over and over and over again, where I'd get my hopes up and then be let down. Well, Again, it was the medicine and my soul working on me and delighted by working on me to like truly understand surrender and to be, to know what it feels like to be like broken down and still go for and still pursue it and be so resilient. Meanwhile, I'm journaling to delighted by and I've met her in ceremony now. I've seen her energy and I'm just like, wow, like she's this purple goddess energy and I can talk to her. I can ask her questions. I can write her letters and like her and I were forming this bond and that's how I related to her for so long. I would write her to her dear DB and I would ask her questions. I would say like, where do you want me to go next? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? And 
just this beautiful friendship forming between her and I. And there was so much trust I had in her that so that no matter what happened, there were times though, where I would journal and I would just be so broken. Like, what do you want from me? And I would say things like, how can I even do this anymore? Like, what are you doing? You know, it was like, there were even years, like later down the road, I would like yell at her. (laughs) So it was just a whole journey, right? Okay. But going back to these earlier months, I'm getting no after no after no and disappointment after disappointment. My, this mentor at Seedspot says, you've got to raise capital. And he's like, why don't you go apply to Shark Tank? And I'm like, I think he said, I think he said something like that. Or he said Shark Tank. He said something like that. And I get in the car, I'm driving back home and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to apply to Shark Tank. Now, Shark Tank was something I'd been watching since I was younger. Like I had always had dreams of being on Shark Tank. And I just was like, okay, this is my moment. (laughs) So I go home, I look it up, and they're taking online applications, online casting calls. I fill it out. It was that day or the next day, I was getting a 310 number, which is Culver City in Los Angeles. They called me. They said, we want to have you record a video and submit the next level, the next stage of the application. I was freaking out. So I get my friends together and we put together this video. It's super cheesy looking back, but I tell them my story with Osaka Sun Blendery and how that was like, that didn't work out. And I told them about how this message that I heard about spreading my glitter in the world and how delighted by is how I do that. And I shared about the dessert hummus and how it's a a sweet dip made with chickpeas and how it's a healthier dessert alternative and how it's low sugar and vegan and dairy-free and gluten-free and all these things. So I was sharing that in the video and getting all this footage of the product and myself. And I send it into Shark Tank. But I also decided to send it out to just a small group of people in my network, letting them know like, hey, I'm raising money. And I just sent this into Shark Tank. And if you know of anyone that's interested in investing, please let me know or please pass this video on. Well, that day, I guess I had included this one woman um, that I had met before in Seedspot. It was a woman that, um, you know, has an amazing business background, someone I so look up to. She is responsible for starting the company Tom's, the shoe company, next to Blake Mykoski, and they did that together, and she's basically the co-founder, but just doesn't get the recognition for it, and she was like someone that always inspired me, and she had actually reached out back in the Osaka Sun Blendery days saying that she would consider investing if I secured a spot and I just never did. So I put her on this email, but not thinking too much about it. Like I didn't have any expectations. She wrote me back and she said, Mackenzie, I'm going to be in town this weekend. My daughter's turning one and I'd love to try your product and I'd love to like taste it. Can you bring some for her birthday? And I was so over the moon elated. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And again, I had no expectations that she was going to invest or anything, but I was just so excited to like be around her quite literally just to be in the same room as her as an entrepreneur. I just knew she had so much wisdom to offer and that being around that was good for me. So I 
put all my different flavors together. At that point, I had eight flavors. And I brought them to her daughter's birthday party. And in the kitchen, she asked me all these different questions. And I just told her, I answered them. And and then I was about to leave. And she said, oh, like, um, I want to pay you for the hummus. And I was like, oh, no, don't worry about it. And she was like, no, 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 I want to. And so we are going downstairs. She's going to write me a check. And she hands me the check. And I look down at it. And it says $20,000. Whew. <laughs> I look up at her instantly crying and she starts crying and she was like, I believe in you and I, I want to support you and I want you to keep going. And on the bottom of the check, it had said 5% of the company, like 5% equity. And I was just a full yes. She was a full yes. And it was just an absolute miracle, a godsend, because I just had totally ran out of money. I had no money to scale my product. And this was just the next level that I needed to go to. So it was a huge sigh of relief and truly a miracle. And I will never forget like that moment, walking away, driving away that day, texting my Aunt Amy. Like it was huge. The universe really showed me like, okay, keep surrendering keep surrendering, like miracles are possible. And that was the thing about Delighted By in my journey. I just kept hearing that miracles are real. And my journey with Delighted By is going to be proof that miracles are real. (laughs) So fun. And then I found a manufacturer on the internet in Boston. And they had this process where they made hummus using pasteurization and the pasteurization because of the heating method it kills off any potential bacteria and then they package it in a way that they don't need to use preservatives and so I'm thinking this is going to be how I make my product like this is probably the manufacturer for me and I call them and they call me back and the CEO is talking to me and asking different questions. And he says like, yeah, like I'm down to give it a try. Why don't you come visit? And so I'm so excited. Um, because I had the money, I then flew to Boston. I show up and I show them my product and I'm in like the CEO's office and he tries it. He loves it. And he said, okay, like, Let's go into production and let's see how it goes and run some shelf life studies. Well, every test run was $5,000 and I had four flavors. So I could start doing some flavors, but I couldn't do all of them because I had gotten the $20,000. So it was like just going to cover the four flavors, but I also had like the travel expenses, just getting by all the things. So I was like, okay, I can get started with that. So we put in, I don't know, maybe one or two flavors to start. I forget what we started with. And we put it into shelf life studies right away. And to my like memory, it all went great. Like it was, it passed the test of, I believe we started with like 70 days. It passed that test and it was like, oh my God, thank God. But the thing was, is that the, the minimum, the production minimum for working with them was 9,000 pounds and 9,000 pounds of product per flavor equates to 18,000 units. That's a lot of hummus, 18,000 tubs of hummus per flavor. 
would have to be my minimum order quantity to even work with them per batch run. And I only have 70 days on it to sell. But at the time, they were my only option. So I'm like, okay. So then I know, well, we're going to have to raise money again really, really soon. And I'm going to need to, once I have this viable product in my hand, I'm going to need to start scoring shelf space. I need to talk to every grocery store in America and I need to get my product into the stores and I need need to meet those minimums. (laughs) And let's see. Oh my gosh, this has been so long. So the time frame is kind of evading me, but I... April 2016, I'm just like kind of reflecting here. What was the first thing here? Okay. Yeah, so I'm in, we, we've passed the shelf life studies and I am starting to reach out to every grocery store that I can. And I'm getting no response. Like no one's writing me back. It's impossible to get a hold of anyone. It's, I was like, how do we even do this? And then I start hearing about trade shows. I'm like, okay, so I've heard about this thing called a trade show. And at a trade show, I can like show my product to different buyers of grocery stores. And so I was like, so I need to go to a trade show, it sounds like. But there's a lot of money involved at the trade show. So I just knew I have got to raise money. I was totally out of money at this point. I had quit the farmer's market because that's how much time I was needing to put in to the R&D and the sales component of the business. I needed to like spend all my time reaching out to markets and like going door to door, talking to people, learning, picking people's brains, calling people in the industry, doing everything I could. And some people told me you you should stay in the farmers markets to make money. And I showed them the financials. I was like literally I make no money from farmers markets. Like by the time I make the product and all of this, like there's no money in it. And it's actually just a waste of my time when I know that I'm going towards like right now I can only make a hundred units at a time. And that takes a long, that takes like two days. And so why do that when I just sell out within an hour anyway, and I could use all that time to just scaling my product and getting distribution. So that's what I knew was like my intuition I needed to just focus completely on that. Um, and now, let's see, we're at about January of, 2006, January of 2016. So this has been a year, a full year that I've been pouring my heart into this, like barely scraping by financially, just doing everything I can, working all day, all night. Like it was crazy but I was so devoted and something bigger than me was 100% moving through me and meanwhile I'm still on my healing journey still in the ayahuasca ceremonies I'm still like just on the path in January 2016 I am back in Sedona sitting in ceremony and I want to go to her about this next phase of the business I want to understand like what are my next steps because I'm running out of money this isn't going to work she reveals to me that I have not told enough people about what I'm up to. She said to me, Mackenzie, you're being so shy and quiet about what you're up to. You're not telling people and you won't be able to get any support if you don't tell people what you're up to. 
And she said, and you also need to ask for support. And that was so challenging for me to ask for support. Wow. So she really confronted me on that. And she gave me that tough love. And she said, like, this is not going to go anywhere if you're not willing to ask for support and receive support and use your voice to tell people what you're up to. She's like, any chance you get, you need to tell people what you're up to. I was like, okay, because I was just so shy, you know, like I had no experience speaking publicly, speaking about what I'm passionate about. I mean, like I did a little with Seedspot, but I'm telling you, I would get up on like practice days for our pitch and I would freeze and shake. I need to step down. It was so out of my comfort zone. So even just to tell someone what I'm up to felt so vulnerable and personal and intimate that I just like keep it to myself. Plus, I had no proof that my business was actually doing well. And meanwhile, while there were a lot of people in the industry that would say, wow, this is going to be the next big thing, I also had a lot of people being like, that's weird. You know, like there were still people at the farmer's market that would be like, ew, dessert hummus? Like, I don't want to try that. And I'd be like, no, try it. Like they'd try, if someone tried it, they liked it. But like a lot of people were like, that's such a weird concept. And when someone loved it, they loved it. That was amazing. I loved getting that feedback. But the problem was there were so many rejections as well. And I had to be with all of that. So there was this part of me that was like, I shouldn't even talk about this until it's successful. I shouldn't even tell people what I'm up to until I have proof that it's actually working. There was almost this part of me that was like embarrassed that it was dessert hummus because it was just so different and unique and weird at the time. (laughs) And maybe for some of you listening, you haven't even heard of dessert hummus, but like in the food industry, it's become a huge thing since then, which I will get back to. All right. So I leave this ayahuasca ceremony in January of 2016, knowing that my lesson and my test is going to be to share what I'm up to, be bold in speaking about it and asking for support. Yeah. So I have to get on a plane that day. And at the time, I had everything I owned in one suitcase because I was traveling around when I could to different manufacturers, testing products. I needed to be completely transient. So everything I owned was in one suitcase and then my backpack. I was very minimalist. I was in the car. My friend was taking me to the airport and I had my flip-flops on. And I realized, shoot, I left my boots, my only closed-toed shoes, I left them at his house. This was right when we were about to pull up to the airport, and I said, you've got to turn around. The reason was, was because I was about to get off the plane in San Francisco and go right into a Shark Tank casting call. The year before that, I had submitted my video to Shark Tank, but didn't get through the next round. So now this was the second chance and I was going to go in person to a casting call and pitch my product to try again. I was going to get off that plane and go right into my casting call. So I needed to have my closed toed shoes. That's for some reason, like looking back, I didn't need that, whatever. But in the moment, it was so important to me. And they were the only shoes I had, especially knowing that I was going to be going back east. I didn't have the money to buy new shoes. So I needed those shoes. So I'm like, let's just risk it. Turn around. Let's go back and get them. Plus, these were like my favorite boots ever. I don't know why, but I was like very attached to these boots. (laughs) 
So he drives me home and then he's just like, you're crazy. This is like my older friend. He just thought I was absolutely nuts. He's like, you smell like sage from your, like, he didn't even know what sage was. He's like, you just smell like a, a, like a temple, (laughs) you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I was just focused and he was just so kind to let me like crash in his guest room and just, I was doing anything I could at that point to like get the support I needed to get me to these next steps. And so many people stepped in and supported me, which I'm really grateful for. Um, Okay, I get to the airport. I have 37 minutes until my flight's going to leave. I rock up right when I walk inside. The Phoenix airport has never been this busy. It is literally lines after lines after lines. I'm like, oh, shoot, because I was really banking on, okay, TSA pre-check, I'll just go up there, I'll just do it really fast, no, huge line to check in, I was so bummed, (laughs) so I'm thinking the only way I have a chance of making it is by asking someone if I can cut in front of them at this line and also at security, so I randomly picked some people and I said, hey, I am in a really big hurry, are you okay if I cut in front of you? <laughs> they say, yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm like so grateful. And I was so like probably awkward and shy. I was just like really felt bad that I had to do this, but I was desperate. I did not want to miss this flight. So I uh, cut in front of them and I look at the line that's still ahead of me. I look down at my, my time and I'm like, no, nah, there's no way. There's literally zero chance I'm going to make this flight. So I just exhale and I surrender. And I'm like, all right, I just trust that that's meant to be and that I'll still be able to get on a different flight and make this casting call on time. In the meantime, I'm standing here, so I might as well turn around and talk to these lovely people that just let me cut them. (laughs) So I do that. I turn around and the woman, the girl, I'm like, Hey, I really like your leggings. And that was genuine. I was like, wasn't just trying to spark up a conversation. I was like, oh, I really like your leggings. She's like, thanks. And I'm like, where'd you get them? I think she said like Costco or something. I was like, really? Wow. And she's like, so are you having like a bad day? Because like she was thinking like I'm running really late, you know? And I was like, no, not having a bad day or anything. I just had forgotten my shoes and like, this is everything I own. And I just, yeah, I just running running behind and I had to go back and get my shoes and it was the whole thing and she looks down at my suitcase and then she looks back at me and she's like why is this everything you own (laughs) and then I heard Aya's voice and she said it was like the voice that said this is your chance and I was like oh my gosh this would be normally the moment where I would just like brush it off or whatever and I said to her well I I'm going to a Shark Tank casting call. I am starting this company. It's called Delighted By, and it's dessert hummus. And I'm trying to, like, raise money right now. And I'm just on the go all the time because I'm just, like, going to all these different places for business and manufacturing and everything. And, yeah, I'm just really looking to raise money. And, like, I'm going to the Shark Tank thing. And that's why this is everything I own. And she looks at me and she's like, wow, that's so crazy because I was just talking to my husband about how like we want to invest in a startup. 
but this girl, she looks my age, right? So I'm like, she looks so young. Like there's no way she has money to like invest in my company. And like, there's no way, right? I'm just thinking, okay. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like, cool. And I like don't think much of it. She's like, no, like I want to know more. <laughs> like, okay. So I think I told her a little bit about it and I asked her where she's going. She said she's going to this conference for this company that she's in. And she was with a bunch of other friends. And um, and she told me that, like, she used to be a nurse, but then she retired from that. And now she's in um, her network marketing company, which was Isogenics at the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. So anyway, we exchange numbers. And I make my way out. And I ended up getting a flight and being able to make my casting call in time. But the casting call didn't really go that well. I think I could just sense like when I was in it, I just wasn't going to get a call back. And regardless, even if I was going to go to call back, it was going to be like some time. So I'm in San Francisco now going to this food show to not for my product, but just to like learn to walk the show and to, you know, pick people's brains and whatnot. I'm freaking out inside. I'm like, I need to raise money now. And I keep hearing Aya ask, ask, ask for support. So I courageously got on the phone with every single person that I know could potentially have money or have someone they know that has money and started asking for money. I was getting on the phone with everyone that I knew from Seedspot, big investors, people that have tons of money. I was trying to tell them what I'm up to. And they were just like, eh, not really interested, not really interested. Then Jocelyn reached out to me. This is just days later or within the week. And she's like, hey, let's talk on the phone. So we talk on the phone. I'm in this random room of this random guy who is a friend of my other friend. And I'm just like hiding away, trying to get on the phone with Jocelyn <laughs> in the middle of San Francisco. I'm, I remember like walking through the streets, having had like placing all these phone calls. I remember having to like step inside of a barber shop just to be able to hear one person. Like I was just frantically going around trying to do things and Jocelyn seemed so interested and I was shocked. And she was like, look, I, I really think I'm interested in this and I really want to learn more. And I like, I really want to try the product. She's like, the thing is like my husband doesn't like hummus but maybe he would like this. And I'm like, okay. So I hang up and I'm like, this girl's like actually really interested. How weird. It was like so natural and easy that I was like doubting it. And I was thinking, well, I'm going to make like, I'm going to send these people my product and I'm going to manifest that like this husband loves it. (laughs) So I send him the product and I end up hearing back from them after I sent them the product, they absolutely loved it. And the husband, Aaron, this was Jocelyn and Aaron Freeman, now my best friends. (laughs) But at the time they were new to me. So this guy, Aaron says like, you know, he, he paints this vision or, Oh, I remember. I remember. I remember. Here's what happened. He said, I really liked the product. I love what you're up to. I love your mission. And He said, like, my only last question for you is, what is your why? I said to him, "Um, well, I'm a little uncomfortable to answer that because, like, it's quite spiritual. 
so I don't know if you're okay with that. And he was like, of course. He's like, that's the only place I live from. And I like have a sigh of relief. I'm like, okay. And I told him, I was like, my why is to spread my glitter in the world and like be my light and shine my light. And I just like rapped about that for a little bit. And he was like, all right, well, honestly, like with that answer, I'm in. And I just literally like fell to the couch because I was standing up at the time. I fell to the couch and I was like, what? And I just like broke down in tears and they invested $50,000 in my company that day. To me, and it still does, it is one of the greatest miracles of my life because what Jocelyn Aaron gifted me wasn't just $50,000 in that moment. It was this level of interest, this level of support, and this level of family that to date I've never experienced outside of them. Like they have been my rock through so much and because this episode is going on so long and I'm going to have to break this up into various parts, I'm going to stop here on this story because it's like one of the most significant moments in my journey. My relationship with Aaron and Jocelyn only began to deepen. And I remember coming into town and the thing is about my very first investor, Candice, was she was just so focused on being a mom and she's like such a, like a high level She's just on a different phase of life and in a different level of business that she's just so busy, you know, like she, you know, consults with Tom Brady, you know, she's just on a different wavelength. So I never really got to talk to her much or like interact with her a lot at all throughout those years or throughout the business. But the thing about Jocelyn Aaron is like, they wanted to be involved, And that was so cool. I was like, okay, but it was also new and uncomfortable for me. So when I'd come back to Phoenix, I would see them. And then I started staying with them and I'd crash on their couch or in their guest room. And we started getting to know each other. I remember the very first time we had dinner together, it was just the three of us. And I opened up about sex and my journey with sacred sexuality and my journey with the medicine. And like, there was, even though you could tell like that was maybe a new conversation, they were so interested and they were just such a support of me and like so accepting of me, my journey, my path and my interest. And they were the best at asking questions. And I had just... It makes me want to cry because I'd never had people and still I, I really can't think of anyone like that that shows up with so much presence and asks me questions that gets me to the truth of myself. And I just feel like they were the greatest blessing from God because I feel like and now, of course, like that soul family has expanded, but they were my first soul family. And they showed me that I am unconditionally loved and that any way I show up in my darkness, in my light, in my shadow, in my gifts, in my passions, in my confusions, in my sorrows, in my grief, in my celebrations, they were there with me through it all. And it's just like, they really showed me what's possible for friendship 
and for support. And so they, they set the tone for what kind of investors I wanted in this company. And now anyone that's heard my story, anyone that's heard or read my book through these deeper stories, they realize like that Jocelyn Aaron and then eventually all my investors really set the tone for what anyone should have in an investment team because it's not, you know, it's so much bigger. Like there's so much that goes into business other than money. It's, it's emotional. And I couldn't have gone through this hero's journey without these, this family that they've been for me. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So it sounds like this is going to be a series and you know what? I'm here for it. In the last few weeks of 2023 or 2022, I am here for honoring this journey. And while, yeah, I've written a book with so many of these stories, I haven't written a book or said this story from this place and from the person I am now. Now having gone through it completely and bringing full closure with this business as of June this last, uh, June this year, which was only six months ago when we closed the business and walked away, Now it's time for me to share all these stories and reflect on the beauty of it and the lessons and the hardships and all of it from this new place of completion. So that's really a blessing for me and an honor to be able to do that. And that's all. (laughs) So my question for you in honor of DB, in honor of the miracles of this journey, in honor of my hero's journey with her, and delighted by, my question is, what are you delighted by? And where in your life are you doing things that you're not delighted by? And what things are you ready to let go of and leave in 2022 because they're not a part of your life that you're delighted by? As you go into 2023, really come from that place. What am I a yes to? What people, what things, what situations, what experiences am I delighted by? And what is that going to look like to be a yes to that and let go of everything else? You are worthy, you are capable, and you are so loved and so chosen. It's your birthright to live a life that you are delighted by. And it's also your birthright to live out your purpose and be abundantly supported by people, by resources, and by uh, wisdom that, and by tools that will get you through that hero's journey. No matter what the result, no matter what the end goal is that you have, your dreams are so worth pursuing. If I would have known how this journey ends, of course I still would have pursued it because of every single person I've gotten to meet, every single experience I've gotten to have, I've gotten to meet myself in ways I never would have been able to without this, these experiences. But also, there was this deep fear fear of failure. And yet I never let that keep me from pursuing that dream. And so even in the end, which of course will come later in this series of those details of how like on a 3D level, it didn't end how I thought or my investors thought or how we all thought we wanted. 
it didn't end that way, but at the same time, we all gained so much. And I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I, I really can only speak for myself. I gained everything. I gained my life. I gained my soul family. I gained my voice. I gained my truth. I gained my power. Uh, and I truly gained the real, tangible, real-life experience of what is my birthright, of what I get to experience in this life. Aho to that. So much love to you all. And I can't wait for part two and maybe part three, maybe part four of this series. I'm going to have to cut time out for that these next few weeks because I cannot go into 2023 without sharing this with you. I'm just way too passionate about it and just sharing this right now. I'm so lit up. So I can't wait till the next one. Aloha. Much love. Mwah.